This is the download podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, June 1st, 2017. Episode 6 Printers are bad. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I am Jason Snell, your host, and this week I am joined by three excellent guests, co-host of Clockwise and Disruption and uh, a Mobile Nations person who works on iMore and many other things. It's Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. Hello, Jason. Hello, hello. Thank you for taking care of Clockwise. You you were my replacement on Clockwise. Thank you for doing that. You know, I am happy to uh, keep watching the clock in uh, mm. in your place. It's been good. You you got to watch that clock or it'll it'll move. <laughs> got to be careful. Exactly. Christina Warren is here, a newly minted Microsoft employee, longtime writer in the tech scene, and co-host of Rocket here on Relay FM. Hello. Hello. Hello from Seattle. Or Redmond, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's generally, we'll round it off to Seattle. But yes, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. And uh, Florence Ion Flo, you know her from All About Android on Twit, and uh, she works on Android Central stuff. Hi, Flo. Hello. It's good to have you all here. Uh, We should get to it. The three best stories of the week, as arbitrarily chosen by myself and download podcast producer Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. I would complain about the use of the word arbitrarily, but... (laughs) You mean we don't roll dice and just decide? Mm. No, we we actually do give it some thought and uh, have some opinions. And that is why I chose the number one story to be essential... Andy Rubin, the co-founder oh, of Android, yes. has a new company, Essential, and he unveiled a phone and a connected home assistant at the Code Conference this week. It's a high-end smartphone, costs roughly the same as an iPhone or a, a Samsung Galaxy. There's no branding. It's got an edge-to-edge screen for the most part. It's running stock Android with minimal bloatware. It's got some unusual materials, titanium and ceramic, that are making up the phone. It's got a magnetic module that lets you snap on accessories, like a 360-degree camera. Um, it it seems to be like a niche luxury ish Android phone. Uh, what do you all think? Can this work? Is there a space for a, a a player sort of among playing with you know Apple and Samsung in this kind of high end phone world? And is essential the answer? I don't think so. <laughs> so I, I, I hate to be so negative. I was negative about this uh, on Rocket, but I, I, I now that, um, I've actually we've seen the phone, uh, which we, which we had when we recorded Rocket, and, and I've seen you know Ruben um, on the Code Conference. I want to start by saying, I mean, I think he is Andy Ruben has one of the best records in tech. You know, he uh, worked at at Apple, and he worked at what was it, General Magic, and and then obviously created you know Danger was one of the co-founders of sidekick. Danger, which <laughs> exactly the sidekick. Um, and then no went on to create um, uh, Android, Android and, yeah. and 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 he has a, a you know in mobile he has a really really good track record and I don't want to besmirch that at all, but when I look at this device and it's aimed at the U.S. market, which I think is important to point out, um, so they're not trying to do a big kind of global play like some, like you see from some of the the people who are more price conscious the the Xiaomi's the Huawei's the uh, um, you know. Um, uh, some of the other uh, brands at OnePlus. And this isn't a product they can make at scale anyway. I think he said like 50,000 maybe. It's not It's not a, a big scale product, at least not not now. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's at least good that he's saying it's not a big scale product. But I worry because, you know, other than 
are there even 50,000 people who are going to be willing to do this? And, and I don't know. I think there are 50,000 people who are interested, but I don't know what value he can add simply on his name alone that will convince someone to say, I'm going to spend $700 on a phone on this phone rather than getting a pixel. Because if it were me, I mean, like to me, like that's, that's the pixel is kind of the big elephant in the room, even beyond like the, the Galaxy S8 and the iPhone and all that stuff. You know, the pixel is, is Google's version of kind of the, the, the pure Android experience, mm. really nice high end hardware. And I look at essential and even though, um, the design is, is nice and it has some interesting ideas. Um, you know, Google, uh, controls the experience end to end, um, with, with, with the pixel and that's really good. And that's something that I don't think that that essential is going to want to do and so i just don't know how many people will want to spend seven hundred dollars for a phone um because you know andy rubin made it i i I don't know so to me i would hope so i would i would like this to work i would like these ideas to work i just don't see even fifty thousand people being like yeah i want the andy rubin phone you know what i mean like we've seen so many high profile failures um in in the smartphone space especially people trying to go after the flagship market that I think this is an uphill battle. Christina, I love everything you just said. And I just, I feel like you're giving me, I feel like you're giving me life for my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Because let me tell you what's been happening this week. Not to make this about me, but I am going to for a second. Um, And this is the third time this week I'm talking about the essential phone on a podcast. (laughs) And um, which is fine. It's a big deal. Okay. I get it. Andy Rubin, like, and, and it is, you know, a big theme of of tech this week, especially because we had like a short week. So, you know, because it was a short week, this was like the best time for this sort of thing to be announced because Mm -hmm. like all of us were just super relaxed like going back to work on tuesday we were all like oh we're so tired blah and then you know i wake up and my twitter feed is a bustle with all this news about this this extraordinary new android phone and and i'm sorry guys but i initially i mean i'm still kind of really rolling my eyes here because i watched that code conference interview we actually switched to it on all about android and it just felt like it just felt like I was watching like the Steve Jobs interview and somebody just like cut it out and put Andy Rubin in there. Like I just I just feel like such a deja vu saying this and it and the reason I say that is because I I feel like it's a been there done that sort of thing. And I'm not, you know, it's a really pretty phone. This is part of the struggle that I'm having is that there's so many people like in the Android sphere who are super excited about this. And I I don't want to be the one to knock down innovation. You know, it's very possible that this phone, especially because it comes from, you know, essentially the father of Android, could have some things it would contribute positively to the world of Android. And like, Lord knows, we desperately love and need that at times. Um, But again, I just I feel very dubious about it because... It just feels like a lot more fanfare than needed. So to me, the the interesting thing about this is I, I'm trying to uh, pull myself out of my own shoes, which my shoes are apple colored. And I like I, approaching it from the perspective of someone who owns an iPhone and has reasons for owning an iPhone, which include having that all in one experience and being able to count on the hardware at all times and knowing the developers can, you know, target one particular type of hardware, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I think about that and I think about, you know, those of us who've been hot taking from the iOS side or from the Apple side, uh, we're, we, we're looking at this from the perspective of that. But 
Then I started to think, okay, so let's think about somebody who is into Android devices and someone who maybe doesn't have like, I have to be, you know, all Samsung or I have to be all Google or what have you when it comes to the actual, you know, manufacturing of the device. And so they'll jump around and try different things. But the problem here is that this is a premium device where they're only making 50,000. So it is, in my estimation, it's targeting the people who have the same sort of mindset that I think some iOS users have, it's some iPhone users have. It's premium and exclusive. It's premium yeah. and yeah. exclusive. Yeah. But the, the, like, the, thing that, the thing about that is the, you know, the people who are in, kind of in that premium space who aren't just like you know, people who have alligator leather shoes. I'm talking like the, the people like us who, who want you know, the best product possible. Most of those people that I know, they're going after the pure Android experience. You know, they want the Google phone because it provides them that absolute, oh dear, my Google Home just triggered, um, <laughs> because they want the absolute perfect uh, device and want exactly what the company provides. So I'm just, is this another one of those, uh, the company that like wraps it in lamb's wool and I don't know, peanut butter no. from uh, Alps? <laughs> like what is, who is this for? I, I, that's, I, I don't get it. <laughs> that's a great question, Micah, because I am struggling to understand that as well. Like Christina said, it just feels very much like a phone that was made for people right? who really want a phone from Andy Rubin. <laughs> Which, by the way, there are a lot of, there are at least, I bet there are at least 50,000 people out there, though. So, Do you really think, I mean, I think there are 50,000 people who will claim they will, but there were, everybody claimed they were going to buy a Pixel too, and nobody did. So... I did. <laughs> I mean, I, you did, I wonder but. about the the how the how the smartphone market works. I mean, you think about this luxury product, and I started to think, well, it would be interesting if you could sell a smartphone for a couple thousand dollars instead of a thousand dollars ish, you know, a little bit under that, like Samsung and Apple are doing, and make it like truly better in ways that Apple and Samsung can't because of scale. Because Apple wants to sell so many of those phones, mm. Samsung mm-hmm. wants to sell so many that you could make a product like this phone, right, that uses the the ceramic and the titanium and things that you probably couldn't do at scale and then charge a lot of money for it. But can't but this is not priced like that. It it doesn't I mean, it doesn't really compete with for two or anything where they, you know, glued like gold and gems and things onto the side of a phone and call it a luxury phone. It's like can the smart is there such a thing as a luxury smartphone or is yes. Apple and Samsung where the, the, as high as the market goes here? The Porsche Huawei. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there there are there's Vertu and there's I can't think of the company name. I saw some $7,000 stupid smartphone. All they're doing is sort of like sticking materials. Yes. It's it's all about Agreed. materials. Diamonds. Well, they also claim security. I mean, some some companies oh, okay. claim that they do more hardened security stuff. How accurate that is, I don't really believe it, but but there are some other things and and certainly you can get there is actually a company, SecuSmart, which I believe BlackBerry owns now, that does hardened like tablets and devices that are very expensive that can be used in like government places. But again, that's like a completely different market. This is a consumer device, and I think that's why. I mean, to, to, to Micah's point, like that's my kind of fundamental question: like, who is this for? And we can we can quibble whether there is a big enough audience for them to sell what they need or not. I just. I don't know. What bothers me about this, and then I'll shut up, is that, you know, this is a really saturated market space. Like, it's funny. At the Code Conference, in addition to, you know, Andy Rubin showing this off, you know, Mary Meeker gave her annual report on Internet trends. And and one of the big things is that, you know, the smartphone market in the U.S. is totally saturated. And so there's – the the growth is in decline. And so 
I, I worry, you know, from like a, thank God it's Andy Rubin. Otherwise, I don't know how you would get funding for this. I mean, I think that's how you get funding for it is you're Andy Rubin and, and people see your track record and will give you however much money you want. But I just don't know in, in an era where literally everyone already has a smartphone and has had experiences with them, how you convince a sizable number of people to say, I will trust you in this experience over what mm-hmm. I know, which might be yeah. iPhone or Samsung or the pure experience that I, I'm guaranteed to get from Google. And I mean, there is some irony in that, like, you know, Andy Rubin helped, you know, kind of create Android and, and, and now he's going to be fighting. And, and when he was running Android really didn't like the fragmentation that was happening. And now in some ways he's part of the problem. <laughs> that is a really good oh sorry that made me guffaw that was a really good that was just that was beautiful that was beautifully put <laughs> is it is this device unique enough i think to to jason's point there like i i get what you're saying and think about okay so you got a phone that costs fifteen hundred dollars and the thing is like translucent glass and looks like a future phone right? because they don't have to worry about a bunch of other stuff they can literally target that that fifty thousand people hundred thousand people that are like super into tech and want you know the phone that's on uh, black mirror except not the bad parts of black mirror <laughs> and that's not like this putting those little weird magnetic ports on the back does not make the device unique enough especially like working within the confound of an already created operating system and it's I, 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 and this is the thing is like it's not necessarily that i am uh shaming essential itself it's just like it's kind of tough to see <laughs> what's the point of mm-hmm. of uh coming into this space at such a small level i mean maybe it's just like hey we want to try this and see how it works and then we'll try to scale it or I, I that that's what also confuses me it's like what is what's happening here what are we getting out of this is it really just you want like your army of 50,000 people that for you know the next 20 years get your titanium phone and that's it are you trying to eventually do more what uh, makes this kind of make sense over the long run? Are we just experimenting? Are we trying to take things away from Google? Hmm. It doesn't even have like all the bells and whistles that some of the other Android phones do, by the way. It's missing a couple of things. If if history is any indication, titanium is a terrible choice for consumer (laughs) electronic products. Yeah, it scratches, doesn't it? It scratches. And bends. It's soft. It's it's brittle. Uh, I was very uh, curious to hear uh, that they chose that. And talking about it, like you said, like copying and pasting from the Steve Jobs keynote, I'm going to take an Apple history sidebar because I can do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Apple your, had a PowerBook. Apple had yep. a PowerBook back in like 2001, made of titanium, and they're like, "Oh, it's the stuff oh, they yeah. make airplanes out of." And Andy Rubin basically said the exact same same cements. stuff. Yeah, it, it was really uncanny. And, 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 and what did they do, Stephen? They they had the tie book for one year, mm-hmm. and then they released something that looked exactly the same, except it was made of aluminum or aluminum. Every laptop Apple has made since has yeah. been either made aluminum. of polycarbonate or aluminum, and not titanium. Because what? Let's see, the paint flaked off. Yeah, um, it is. It, titanium it, is actually uh, bendable. And I was going to say it's really soft. It's it's a very soft metal, and it turns out that in certain circumstances, also, it's incredibly brittle. And so uh, the paint flaked <laughs> off. My daughter, when she was a two year old, uh, took my titanium power book and grabbed grabbed it on the back oh, and just pulled it oh back no. about an oh. inch, and it just it literally snapped the screen off because the titanium was was brittle and, could, and, and, and couldn't do it she just little a little baby just went pop 
and it popped right off. When I was at, when I was a repair tech, I would see that sort of thing come in. People would come in with like their twenty five hundred dollar laptops, and I'd be like, "Yeah, we got to send this to the service center." I can't do anything. So, and then that goes to the scale story, though, right? It's like, and the ceramic, we, we, somebody did the analysis about like Apple was looking at ceramic for the iPhone. It's like, it's mm-hmm. an amazing, they're using it on the, on the uh, high end Apple Watch now. It's an amazing idea to build phones out of this product because it has so much going for it, as Andy Rubin said. But the cost of doing it at scale is brutal. And I can see that maybe he sees that as an opportunity for them. But if your product, if your company's going to be successful, presumably you'd want to scale. And if you're unable, that also seems really weird. And, and yeah. It's just I get why you want to be in the high end phone market, right? Because it's it's the profitable part of the market. But the the giants are already eating that whole market. Like it's even hard for Android for for Google with the uh, the Pixel to fight in that space because people are already loyal to their brands. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many exactly. loyal Samsung people, so many loyal Apple people. Like I'm, I guess, a loyal Google person. So mm-hmm. why would I choose the essential phone? Yeah. Especially since it's, I mean, and, and can we talk about the stupidity of the modular situation? Because like, Let's I'm sorry, yes. no one, no one wants a modular smartphone. I wrote that. That was one of the first like kind of hot take things I wrote when I was at Gizmodo, and I st- I wrote it after uh, you know Google killed uh, Project Aura, and mm-hmm. and I stand by that. You know, you look at, I mean, LG fired executives because Ugh. of their modular phone so failure. Messy. You know, <laughs> Motorola has not had success, even though they continue to try to make it happen. You know, Project Aura hasn't happened. Like, people, in theory, we all love the idea, oh, you can add stuff to your phone. Nobody wants that. And then you have, you know, Andy Rubin's take is, oh, well, anybody can create an accessory. Yeah, good luck with that. Why would anybody c- create an accessory for only 50,000 people when they could create ding, a ding, phone ding, case ding. for a Galaxy Preach. S8 and make millions of dollars? Come on. Exactly. It's like, you're going to have a hard time finding people to make cases for your phone which yeah no matter yeah. how beautiful it is people you're gonna have a hard time finding people to make cases for your phone let alone accessories like come on like and and, and again like it kind of you know i don't know i it, it just he's very smart and so i hate kind of like like railing on him and i, I and i don't want to doesn't it feel like like we've seen this before i mean i felt like yes. I, I remember when htc launched their really high design phone at the beginning uh-huh. and, we, and we were like oh it's a beautiful phone it's like and nobody bought it and it's like i look at this and it's like yeah, yeah it's so familiar to me and i wonder if once you're in the seat that he's in now where you're making a phone and you ne- realize you need to have it be a premium phone and all of that you start to make these decisions and you know even Maybe even against your better judgment, you end up going down the same path as everybody else. And we've seen because we've seen this before. This has played out before. Why is this different? Yeah, exactly. It's played out a bunch of times. In fact, I wrote a a, a feature um, called, uh, you know, why these revolutionary phones failed so hard. They kind of chronicled, <laughs> looked back at some of the biggest like mobile flops and the, uh, phones that were supposed to be revolutionary and, and, and super great. And like this is already uh, like seems like one of those things like you are because already you see like 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 flow. You, you this is your third podcast. You've talked about this. This is my second. <laughs> I mean, the, and the, the fanboys um, and I use that term with love, like are in love with this thing. Um, but 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 the hype will go away and like once mm-hmm. it actually comes out and once they can actually use it i mean let's talk about that too i mean your your go to market strategy who it's really it's going to be a tough sell i think no matter how great it is and how much of an Andy Rubin stand you are like who's going to spend that much money without or be willing to spend that much money without seeing it in person or what's your what's your return strategy you know what's your support strategy how does that work like those are real problems and and the companies that have much more experience with scale again like the Huawei's the 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 one pluses um they struggle with that google struggles with that frankly like how is he going to do that i don't know i have lots of questions 
You know, the other thing is it just sort of feels like in 2017 to be doing this sort of sort of thing is so it just feels it it just feels like such old news and especially like where we are now. I just feel like the climate has changed so much because I've already been excited about smartphones. Like the things that are exciting me now are, you know, the things that are coming into my home, maybe the things that are a little more part of my life, like things just things with kind of an emotional component. So let's right. talk about that. Let's talk. So they also announced, although didn't yes. show this essential assistant, the home assistant and the, uh, there was a wired magazine, you know, a wired.com story that was like a launch story that really hyped it up and then it looks like Andy Ruman immediately walked it back on Tuesday night uh, yeah. about like it'll work with everything and then he said well we'll ask them if they'll are interested in working with us I'm like okay well that's not the same thing at all and it's got their own OS that they've built and mm-hmm. you know so what what do you, what do you all think about that announcement because it's really it was really super nebulous and strange yeah that, like the Nexus Q it's it's all super strange. Uh, it, it it so one of the main things about this, um, you know, they talked about in the beginning that it was supposed to, and w- I've I've seen everybody gripe about this because it's incredibly legit. They talk about how it's supposed to work with the Google Assistant. It's supposed to work with Amazon's Alexa. It's supposed to work with uh, Apple's HomeKit. Now, only one of those is a framework, and that's Apple's HomeKit. That is a thing where it takes a bunch of different products and it puts them all in this little basket that. Uh, device can reach into and communicate with any of them. The other ones, the... Uh, and I'm triggering everybody's everything right now, and the Ah. the Google Home and the Google Assistant devices, those are... You, those are like input output devices. So yeah. why would I want another home in my or hub rather in my home? So I'm going to go like, hey, uh, Amazon, can you please tell my essential home to please turn off my lights? <laughs> no, I already have the Echo. I'm going to do it with that. So that right. like that fundamentally didn't make sense, and I really did just sound like they have the you know their their what is it the eyes are bigger than their stomach where they're just like we're going to make it work with everything. What does that mean, Mister right. Rubin? Well, what's also, I agree 100% with that, you on that. Um, what does it mean and, and how, um, open are you going to really be, et cetera, et cetera. But beyond that, you know, um, Andy Rubin is an investor in a company called Lighthouse. It's a, one of the portfolio companies that's part of Playground. And, um, they just, uh, unveiled, it's available for pre-order. It'll be out in the fall. I, I saw it, um, right before I left journalism. Um, and it's actually very similar to the, the new Nest Cam, um, that, that, that came out, but it's trying to kind of, played the assistant game too in some ways and so i kind of feel bad for playground because i'm like or not playground lighthouse because i'm like you know andy's andy's coming at you potentially i don't i don't i don't know or or will will they work together who even knows it's just i'm with you like it's very nebulous about what it actually means um when he says it'll work with everything and and uh the details he offered uh were significantly um different than than as you said jason would have been pointed out on that wired um, spread. I feel like I, I, you know, and we're we're absolutely being brutal with Andy Rubin. I didn't know where this, how this was going to go at all. I will admit to heavy eye rolling as I watched his presentation, but um, and as I read the stories, I want to mention though when we're talking about the home, it did remind me and my friend Joe Steele, who I will cite here, uh, of a story that broke on Wired and The Verge back in February about a product called the Cavo, which was a streaming yep. box. 
sucks. That was, it works with everything. It's going to be <laughs> amazing. Literally, the subhead of the Verge story is something huge is happening here. And the Wired story is headlined, Cavo's set-top box fi- fixes everything you hate about watching TV. Um, and yep. it was originally titled, Everything Wrong with Watching TV. This is a lot of hype for a thing that mm-hmm. says it does everything, and yet there seems to be no product. And, and like I was brought back to that, too, which is, again, yep. full credit to Andy Rubin. The one nice thing that we should probably say about Andy Rubin and Essential what a PR blitz what a great job they got everybody to write about it and make claims that don't seem to be substantiated but behind it I'm like is is this snake oil is there anything here (laughs) yeah I don't think it's snake oil I just don't know um, on the phone part I don't think it's snake oil on the uh, assistant part who even knows Uh, on the (laughs) phone part I think I think he actually will release a phone how how successful it will be it's a different question this other thing though yeah I'm with you I I thought and it's funny I thought about too and I'd actually tried to talk to the Cabo people and, and get a demo and get information, and they were kind of cagey. They basically just wanted me to, you know, rewrite the press releases. And I was like, "But, but the Verge saw it, and 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 Wired saw it. Why can't I get some information on this?" And and there were a lot of things that weren't figured out. It was was all I was able to determine, and and that's okay. Those things can be figured out. Um, the the problem is, is that if you do this, the the catch twenty two with this sort of press blitz. On the one hand, it's great. You get all this publicity. Everybody kind of fawning all over themselves. People like us talking about it on podcasts. Uh, the downside is, is that when it actually comes out and it doesn't meet those claims, yeah. then people get really upset. And yeah. you have to answer, you have to answer for that. You hope, the hope is that people will forget. Oh, well, I, you know, you said that 18 months ago and, and, and it, you, the, nobody expected you to follow through that. But, if you make too many big claims when in, in the course of a blitz, it can backfire. I mean, yeah. and Apple has seen that too. I mean, look at all the things that we were supposed to get with Apple TV and single sign-on and, and TVOS mm-hmm. that haven't turned out to be true, and and they should be held accountable for that. Look at all the things that you know they, they claim would would work with Siri that don't work. HomeKit, it, in and of itself, is kind of a a failure in some ways. So I think there's opportunity. Uh, for um, somebody to kind of take on Amazon and, and Google in this kind of assistant space and whatnot. But but as you said, Michael, like I still understand why would I use this and not use, you know, uh, my, my Echo device. Yeah. And that's the other big thing here is, you know, I'm constantly watching what uh, each of these companies that are making their smart home hubs, uh, what they're coming out with and what Essential is claiming it can do. The, the the ambient part, the not the part where it says it works with everything, which is total BS, but the part where they you know are talking about how these devices are kind of like listening and paying attention and letting you know that stuff is happening. So, for example, uh, say it, it you have a garage door sensor. And so you normally whenever you leave in the garage, garage door, your front door doesn't open. But for some reason, the sensor on your front door says that the front door is open, even though we know you left this morning because your garage door sensor went off. There might be somebody in your house. We can tell you about that. Those ambient OS type uh, features are already coming to and already present in some cases on the Google Home smart speaker and on the Amazon Echo smart speaker. And I am sure that Apple is going to have some of those same things on this Siri speaker that's coming out. So we've already got these devices that can uh, light up and say, you know, there are notifications for you. And then you ask it what it happens to be. Amazon Echo just rolled that out too. So this thing is not unique enough. And again, it's coming from some, you know, third party that we don't know how long they're going to keep their servers up and running. And then we have another smart home product that ends up dying because they turn the servers off and, you know, the company 
closes down. I don't want to invest my money and my time and my trust and my love in these companies that are just going to go away when I can count on, you know, the track record that's already existed. So again, it's just one of those things where it's like, you're trying to break into a space and I appreciate that you're trying to bring unique things here, but the phone doesn't seem to stand out enough. And the home literally is already being, I don't know what, Sherlocked or whatever the verb needs to be. It's already being being beat by devices that exist right now. Yeah, it's a tough. Uh, it's a tough one. We'll see what happens with Essential, but yeah, this is a. Uh, I, I applaud their PR launch, and uh, you could you can't get more PR. It's a shame that that, pro- that the phone isn't shipping yet because that would have helped them move them out the, out oh, the door. Yeah. Right? <laughs> On sale today. Yeah. Instead, it's sort of like pre-order, and you know, it's that's fine. But uh, that now they have to find their way in the market, and that's going to be that's going to be hard. Oh, Kickstarter! Boy, wow, that would have been something. Uh, Let's move on to other topics. Before I do that, let me tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Download is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander for Teams is a productivity multiplier. You get a shared knowledge base to ensure your team communicates quickly and accurately. With Text Expander, all of your team's common replies can be worded by the best writers in your organization. Then they're all immediately accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts to everybody in your organization. The response they need will be carefully crafted and a couple keys away without them having to write their own words. That can be very good. And any changes you need to make are updated seamlessly in the background. You change policies, you change product information, anything like that. You can make that. It syncs to everywhere. Text Expander is available on the platforms your team is on. It's now on Windows. It's on the Mac. It's on iOS. April was Text Expander's first anniversary, and that time Text Expander crew has added team statistics, group notes, public groups, monthly activity reports, this Windows app that just launched. Tons of client software updates and so much more. Congratulations to Smile and Text Expander for hitting this milestone. You can go support this awesome team and celebrate their anniversary by going to textexpander.com slash download FM. Thank you, Text Expander and Smile for supporting this brand new podcast called Download. Topic number two for us. Last week, I talked about the U.S. Supreme Court, and surprisingly, there is another case. They are busy getting ready for their summer break by releasing opinions. Last week, it was a patent-related thing about patent trolls and their standing in various courts in Texas, for example, where there were used to be a lot of uh, cases, but now they have to be brought in different locations. Very interesting. Another patent-related ruling this week, this one is about Lexmark, the printer maker, saying that they're not allowed to sue companies that take their old printer cartridges refill them with ink, and sell them again. Believe it or not, that is a patent case involving the rights a company keeps to the product it's already sold you. Now, I feel like, yeah, printers, is that a topic? And yet, this has so many ramifications for the tech industry in general. Also, I feel like we could get our feelings out about printers here, because I kind of feel like they suck in this business model of kind of lousy, cheap printers and expensive ink cartridges. I haven't used one in so many years. Like they don't even you don't even need to print out tickets anymore. You just show them your phone and they can scan it off your exactly. phone. Exactly. So, so one is don't printers suck. And two is printers. Why? I guess these are my questions for all of you. 
I wouldn't know. I don't have a printer. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I can't either. tell you the number of times I've heard from, and I, I call them norms, but uh, what I mean is people <laughs> who aren't as steeped in technology <laughs> as all of us. Normies, the you know my my family, I guess, or, or just mm-hmm. uh, someone who isn't a tech writer. Anyway, I can't tell you the number of times I have heard someone say this whole thing about how it's cheaper to go buy a new printer than it is to buy ink to replace the empty ink cartridge Seriously. that's in whatever printer you have. Yeah. So it's, wasteful, and it's always though. the case. It's so it's it so is very wasteful, wasteful, but like that is part of the problem with printers is that the business model makes absolutely no sense and printers are terrible and why do we have them? Um, so I will say that this Lexmark case, uh, I wrote up the news this week for Android Central and, you know, it's kind of funny because they're, so I found out about this case actually through Kyle Weens' Twitter account and Kyle yes. Weens, for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know, uh, heads up iFixit, which is a site where you can buy replacement parts for like smartphones and buy like the screws that you need to take them apart if you want to fix something after the fact probably gonna avoid your warranty just fyi um but he he said himself in his twitter thread he said this is going to be great for you know first and foremost people who like to tinker and secondly like if you want to sell your smartphone after the fact nobody can come after you for patent violation right now, that's definitely a, 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 an opinion that uh, people who want to tinker with products or repair them have uh, ha- some many, many licenses assert that you don't really own the hardware. You're just sort of being licensed it. And this case sort of puts the kibosh on that and says, no, um, no, if you sell a product to someone, your rights are are dramatically reduced, which, yeah, it totally has ramifications for things other than uh lousy printers that apparently my my kids still need to turn things in on paper it, it hasn't all changed over yet Ugh. so we still need you mean a they haven't all adopted chromebooks yet <laughs> yeah why can't they just email their teachers i know and yet I'm, I'm just saying it happens no i know i know i understand i mean i i ran into circumstances where i've had to print things and i'm like happy i work in an office um you know when i worked um in, in media you know i've had to print things from time to time my mom still loves her printer and wants a new one because um AirPrint stopped working after a certain ios or mac os update and um so i've got to get her a new printer that'll it'll the, to replace the perfectly functioning printer that now won't wirelessly print for her <laughs> but yeah no i mean the the ramifications i think kyle weens obviously he's excited about this right because he's been trying to get bills passed to mm-hmm. um force tech companies like apple to publish um their their schematics and certain guides and, and and make parts available um and uh and and this i think at least goes a long way towards saying you you don't lose some of your consumer rights if you want to use aftermarket parts or other things um and then you had instances like uh what was it it was hp bricked people's uh printers if you used non-hp ink do you guys remember that Mm-hmm. Yes, that, kind of. Oh, so, yes. So th- this was like back in like September, and um, and they had to issue a firmware update to fix that. And and uh, you know now they would never be able to do that. And but I think that the bigger implications beyond just tech, and tech is obviously a really big part of this, is is pharma, right? Because potentially, um, if you want to read this ruling 
um, a certain way, you could you could you could make the argument that generic, medi- uh, you know, um, uh, pharmaceuticals and, and things like that, um, the statutes of limitations and sort of things like that wouldn't exist. So that becomes interesting for 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 uh, for people who are um, against uh, kind of the long process that that a lot of times big pharma companies go through to to keep um, drugs and then ultimately often even the the generics of those drugs kind of under wraps and and making it more and more difficult for people to create generics around high-priced um, drugs. So there are some some broader implications, I think, that are interesting. Um, and I think ultimately, right, like we all hate printers and this is this is a good thing because we've all, I mean, look, like Micah said. Ultimately, like the, the, we all hate printers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do. And part of the reason you hate them is because half the time, like you go to replace the ink and you're like, I should just buy a new printer. And like, yeah. I don't want a new printer. I don't want to have to do the e-waste thing. But I, I, I should... Uh, you know, but it's, it'll be cheaper for me to buy a new one than to get ink for the damn thing. It's the evil it's kind silly. of cheap razors, expensive blades. The evil of that model yep. is the evil and, of that. Exactly. And it goes for. Um, I was thinking of like Keurig machines. Such yep. a Ugh. good example because right? yep. the, there, there's a. I remember I got an email from a company called. Uh, oh goodness, I think it's Blue Mountain Coffee Company, something like that, and they had at one point made their version of K-cups. And so you could use those in place. And then whenever Keurig made the machine that couldn't use it, they actually, because the way that it worked is there's this little sensor inside of the the top of it, and it looks for a special kind of ink. So this company was sending around for free, if you, you know, you wrote in and asked for it, they would send you this little insert that you could clip on to the Keurig machine, and it Mm -hmm. had the little ink patch on it, and you could use that. It's the Freedom Clip. This is what it's called. I just love, I love that that, you know, came out and that it, cause it just makes no sense. And the same thing for How the ridiculous Juicero. that you had to do that in Juicero, the first yeah. place. The, that is so anti-consumer. That is it's so terrible. It's angering. It's the Rogers family company that invented the freedom That's clip, it. apparently. Yes. Rogers. Yes. And, and the same thing applies, uh, or, or, and the, like the stuff that upsets me so much about this. And it happens with the printers and it happens with the Keurig machines and it happens with the Juicero company. Company, is that they all try to come up with some really ridiculous, uh, we'll say, excuse for why they have this technology in place. And for Keurig, it's like, we want to make sure that you have the best coffee experience mm-hmm. and that the right. aromas are just right. And for I drink Juicero, instant coffee. it's one thing. <laughs> Oh my it's like you're drinking Keurig. You're drinking a Keurig. It's not going to take. You know what I mean? Like you're already. It's, you're not French press. Stop it. Exactly. No, you're right. I mean, you're Juicero. You mentioned Juicero, uh, Micah. Like that's a great example too because they totally have the same thing where like it has to scan a barcode and this and that and and, um, and it's juice in a bag i'm sorry well, i'm sitting over here seeing it goes over the <laughs> internet to see if it's been recalled that's a exactly key feature. it goes over the internet it has to be connected even though as bloomberg uh, proved to us you can you squeeze, squeeze it with your it. hands yeah. like like it, you know it's, it's a completely over-engineered solution i mean this is oh, this whole thing is just like hilarious. It's so anti-consumer and the I, I'm happy that there are advocates out there like iFixit who are saying, look, you know, we this is not how if I <sighs> here we go. If I buy something, if it is mine, you know, I the stupid licensing thing is just so upsetting. If I buy something, I want to be able to do whatever it happens to be yeah. that I want to do with the device or the product or I mean like I don't know, when you buy a banana, you expect mm-hmm. that you can do anything Thing you want with a banana, and I think that that should apply to Including everything. Eating and ingesting it. Yeah, yes. If you want to drop yeah, it precisely. on the ground and have somebody slip on the peel, that's your business. Exactly. I, I got one of the first TiVos, and uh, you know, spinning hard drives die. And one of the 
things yes. I learned very quickly is that you could pop open the TiVo and take the drive yep. out, buy a stock drive, run like boot off of a CD on a standard uh, like Intel PC and make a new drive, bless a new drive, plug it in and you were good to go. Like it was amazing, right? And that was totally against their license. I think they actually threatened one of the companies that was doing this at one point. Yeah, they did. They did. I it, recall them it's, doing that. It's just ludicrous. It's like I bought your thing and then the hard drive died. I, what, what do you exactly. want me to do? Send it to you and spend another however much money. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and on your the, markup of what I know what a hard drive costs. Right. And now <laughs> exactly. I can get I can get a bigger one. I mean, that was the thing too. Is in addition to you know replacing a broken one, you could like buy a cheaper, bigger hard drive and get more hours and and, and not have to spend mm-hmm. as much on a TiVo if you wanted to do the aftermarket thing. And you're right, they hated that. I mean, I think they did. Uh, you know, I remember them threatening people, but I don't think they ever sued. You know, it was one of those things. Like, right. No, it was just they were trying trying to put up a, a good front. But but I will say, Micah, you said it's consumer hostile. I have to say isn't this our fault because as consumers we have a tendency to look for the low priced printer and so they price they're they're motivated to price them as low as possible and then just charge you a fortune on consumables it's kind of our buying psychology that is at fault for this existing isn't it I, no, you're, you're, I, I think that it's totally our fault. I'm giving some major side eye to all the devices around me now. Like, you aren't even mine. No, it's true. They're not. Um, I have crystals around me. Those are definitely mine. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to hold this one right now. The, anytime you energy. accept a user license agreement, right? I mean, this the idea is that if the hardware and software is connected, like on your iPhone, for example, Micah, you can't, yeah. you know, you have to agree to the iPhone, you know, terms and things like that. And that hardware, I suppose, is yours, but only... Only to the extent that you're allowed to use the software in the license. It does make you make you feel really uncomfortable when you realize that at least companies think that they really have control over your product after you bought it. And that's what this whole case was. You know, if I want to simplify it, that's sort of what it was about is Lexmark saying, no, no, no. Even after we sell it to you, we have the rights to that thing. And the Supreme Court in this case, I think quite wonderfully saying, no, you don't. I'm wondering, does this mean that you know, it's our duty as as tech journalists and evangelists to tell people about this. I mean, granted, yes, we have been talking about, you know, the fact that printers, cartridges, here's how to do it, etc. But I mean, like going forward, just talking about the fact that the technology you had in your house maybe wasn't yours to begin with. Yeah. I think it's worth discussing. Flo, you may remember this, but one of our uh, former employer's biggest stories at at PC World Mm -hmm. was about refilling ink cartridges. It was huge. And I think part of this is, is uh, yeah, I mean, we need to tell people that, that companies think that they own your stuff and that you don't necessarily. But I think it's also yeah. incumbent on all of us who communicate about technology with people to tell them that just because the maker of that printer thinks that you need to spend a fortune on ink, you don't have to because there yeah. are legitimate places that sell ref- refurbished cartridges or large cartridges right. that are compatible that are way better deals and that you should not be, you know, you should not be held to the manufacturer's ink. It's like the gold, the the story of the gold HDMI cable. You don't yeah. really need the gold <laughs> HDMI cable. The three dollar no. one from Mono Price is just, just fine, fine. Just and it comes good. in different colors. It's good service journalism. <laughs> and it's more bendable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've seen a recent uptick in uh, more more journalists, more more tech bloggers, more everybody talking about consumer privacy and mm-hmm. uh, data privacy. Yeah. And 
advocating for that. And in the same way, I think that, you know, this applies as well. It's certainly something that we should be talking about uh, because that's where people learn about this stuff. And yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, a free app also means that you're probably having your data sold. And the same thing applies for a less expensive printer or a less expensive expensive box of Keurig cups. It's going to uh, end up costing you more in the end because of, you know, the way that they make the money. Or, you know, they'll just install some weird thing on your TV that watches everything that you're watching while you're oh watching God, it yes. so that they can sell you cheaper televisions. Yeah, or maybe Thank the you, rules Samsung, for- will change. I mean, this is one of those things. Maybe rulings like this one will shift the market to make those printers cost a little bit more because they need to make their money on that. And then the printers are a little bit better and the ink's a little bit cheaper. And we, you know, as consumers, will just buy the cheapest printer, but it'll be a little more expensive and maybe even a little bit better. Who knows? Who knows? Um, We've got one more topic left. Uh, I would like to remind everybody out there, you can find us on Twitter at underscore download FM. You can visit our our page on the Relay FM website, relay.fm slash download. And if you have a story you'd like us to look at for possible inclusion in next week's show, just tweet at us using the hashtag download stories. Now, before we move on to the topic number three, I want to tell you about the story that you might have missed. This is a story that may have flown under your radar, a link that you might want to follow and we'll put it in our show notes at Relay FM. It's worth mentioning a little thing from a designer named Justin O'Byrne who is writing a book, it turns out. And this is a great motivator. If you're writing a book about something because you care about it, you really pay close attention. His book is about internet cartography. He's been taking screenshots of Apple Maps and Google Maps, the same locations, the same devices, on an ongoing basis. And he just posted something in the past week called A Year of Google and Apple Maps, which documents the changes that have been happening over the last year in both of these services that you probably haven't noticed because you're not diligently taking screenshots of everything around you on Google Maps and Apple Maps like Justin is because he's writing a book about it. Animated screenshots showing what Apple's been doing, what Google's been doing to improve the display and data on the maps. Um, You gotta love a subject to to get to this level of detail, we all benefit from Justin's fascination on this subject. The, the story is amazing. The graphics are amazing. I think if you're at all interested in user experience and design or just how people make the stuff that we rely on every day, you should check out Justin's post. It is uh, an area I think we take for granted that's incredibly important. And I think he's done a great job of showing you how some people behind the scenes are always tweaking the data that is uh, coming up in your Maps app. So check it out. Topic number three for us, moving on, is it's an Uber thing. Grown. Everybody grown. This week, Mm. Uber fired a gentleman named Anthony Lewandowski, who had previously worked at Google. Follow me here. He was working on self-driving cars at Google Alphabet. He quit. He started his own self-driving tech company, which was then sold to Uber. Uh, Google sued. Ugly lawsuit. They said that he left with trade secrets, took them to Uber. Cloud of lawsuits. And underneath that cloud, Uber let Lewandowski go this week. Um, Not that Uber necessarily hasn't earned having a cloud over them, but they really, boy, it just goes from bad to worse sometimes with them. But I wanted to bring up this story because it seems like this has some big ramifications, larger ramifications for the tech industry, because I I think just as the secret deal between Steve Jobs and uh, and Eric Schmidt and other people in Silicon Valley about about uh, not stealing each other's talent and stuff like that, I mean, it, it calls into question the way the tech industry people uh, workers make money and move between companies because this this would seem to have a huge chilling effect 
on somebody who knows something about a subject area on trying to go out and make money or do something on their own. I'm, I'm curious, so many angles to this story, what you all think about the, uh, the this guy being kind of moving from point A to point B, selling to point C, I suppose, and then uh, and then getting fired this week. What do you all think? I love this saga so much, and I'm so sad that I can't cover this. Like as a journalist, like I would love nothing more than to like be in the courtroom because this whole thing is just so delicious. It is so good. Um, the drama. I'm I'm here for the drama, and the drama is real. I'm just here for the drama. Period. Oh, it's like a reality it. TV kind it's, of saga, it's the right? Bachelorette. Oh, it of, is. So. I mean, the, if this is not okay, look. I understand that. Like, obviously, that there are no is going to make a much better movie book whatever because it's got the you know the the girl and the VCs could be a lifetime movie yeah totally but 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 like this could also be a really interesting movie it's just really fascinating um every just so far you know just just the discovery because i pulled all the docs um because i wrote um a a few things about it and uh and and i i was very interested when i wasn't writing about it and was following people who are doing a better job uh, than i was kind of following the whole thing and no the whole the saga is just so fascinating i mean what's inter- what's notable to me i mean i don't think this gets mentioned enough uh Lewandowski was making like 120 million dollars a year at google ah <laughs> That's so much money. Right? God, I will never see that much money in my life. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't know all the details, this and that. It certainly looks from Google's complaint, like like from Waymo's side, it certainly looks like they have um, at least proof that he downloaded stuff and a lot of stuff on devices yeah. that hadn't been connected to the corporate network in a really long time. And then suddenly before he left, oh, my God, so much stuff was downloaded. What happened? Um, and, and obviously, there's there's a much higher burden of, of, of uh, you know proof to show you downloaded the stuff and, and the intellectual property was actually used in the development of this technology. You know, th- those things are very different. Um, but this whole thing, I mean, look, like Uber can't win. And, and, and I, I, I was, I, I tweeted this. I, I almost feel bad for them. Almost. Oh, almost. No, almost. I almost, I almost, almost, I well, don't, but I almost yeah, feel bad for them. They're having problems elsewhere too. I mean, this that's is just going to be a domino effect, really. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, in addition to all the other problems they have, then they also like reported their loss. They're, they, yeah. they reported their, their earnings and they lost like $780 million on, on, for, for, for the first quarter of the year or something. And even though they, they had, they may have like huge revenue, they're still losing ridiculous sums of money. They clearly see, Self-driving cars is the future of the company. Travis Kalanick has been yeah. pretty open about that. That's why they spent this much money on this startup. And, and it, it increasingly looks more and more like that was more of an aqua hire than anything else. They really wanted his knowledge, his team. He recruited a bunch of people um, to, to, to build stuff out. Um, because they want to be first and, 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 uh, they, they have made it very clear how important it is for them to do well in self-driving cars. Yeah. They didn't even go to the DMV about it. <laughs> no, <Sorry>. exactly. <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're so dead on. Exactly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching this play out and I'm really sad that I can't be, I'm not going to be able to be in the courtroom because gosh, the drama. I think there's a level of, a discomfort that I have about this whole thing. It, so, of course, this is, you know, alleged right now and it's sure. reported lees and all of those things. But um, say that this is the case that, you know, there were 14,000 documents that got taken. That is where it makes sense that this is a very bad thing that has happened. But let's take away those documents and just talk about a, a person who doesn't have to be this person, but a person who goes and works at a company and learns stuff while they're there and then moves on to another company and they apply some of those skills exactly. they learned at the last company at the next company. And 
if we start to go down a route where human beings who are supposed to have agency and autonomy are like having their brains essentially owned by a company and having their creativity owned by one particular company, that's terrifying. So I uh, started in like run of the mill, uh, you know, your, your hard nosed journalism. And in that space, there are very clear non-compete clauses and there are very clear rules about when you can go and work at another, uh, mm-hmm. news company and whether you can anchor there and whether there were so many rules and so many regulations. And that stuff is terrifying to me. Yep. And not only terrifying, it is one of the most depressing things because you're saying that me, a human being who should have the ability to go and do the things that I want to do, can't because I need to make a living and these are the, you know, this is the job that I chose to take. And that's where I think this gets scary, especially as we progress into a future where robots start to take these jobs that aren't necessarily as skilled and are more about repetition. And we move into a place where human beings have to be able to uh, create things and, and, you know, be in these very particular jobs that you would hope that they can go from one place to another and apply the skill set that they just got and use their whole resume. But if we keep ruling in the way that, you know, these companies are trying to, oh, it's going to get pretty bumpy and I'm getting really sweaty and, and uh, afraid right now. <laughs> Micah, I have to say you just put all of that super beautifully. Um, (laughs) so thank you for that uh that was beautiful to witness and it actually makes me feel bad because you brought up like a really good point about humanity meanwhile i'm over here just saying please 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 let the bad guys let them not get away with this for once because i guess from my like little my little standpoint here i kind of see uber as this like large sort of i don't want to say evil but there's been a lot of evil that's been going on. Um, and I and I just want it to stop. Like I want, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. like, come on, guys, with the climate that we're in now, which I can't, we can't ignore it, okay? Like I need to see some bad guys get in trouble. Yes. Please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to point out, and I'll put it in the show notes, uh, a great piece in the New York Times about this based on what Micah was saying, which is, because I do think there, there are a couple issues here. One of them is, if, if this guy really, his intent was to rip off all the trade secrets of Google and sell them, then he should be punished and you know yes. i'm not even sure yes. uber should be punished i think may, unless they can connect uber uh to if uber thought that they that he was unencumbered and free and clear then uber got ripped off by this guy too but i agree with micah the, the new york times piece that that will link uh is about the growth of non-compete agreements in including reaching down into like blue collar cases where like like uh. equipment operators and people in factories are being told uh, you can't work for a competing business for some period of time. And it's really kind of awful That's because what, what it's saying is we control you and you can't mm-hmm. escape unless yeah. you do a career change. And, and it's a, it's ridiculous. I'm fortunate to live in a state where it's illegal to have a non-compete clause, which is California, which is great. But I could never right. understand when I would talk to people in other states about how they are like, yeah, I got a non-compete. And so if I want to leave here, I got to go like to a very different job. And it, like, I get that I get trade secrets, but there surely there is a mm-hmm. point where it must stop. Yep. I, I think that's perfectly put because that's that's the line. I, I certainly think that somebody who <laughs> goes and steals documents needs to be punished for it. But when it comes to just being a human who's learned these skills, you yeah. should be able to you take those skills the elsewhere. Line of a, you worked on the line 
for the Audi, you know, yeah. like uh, working there. And then you wanted to go get a job at Toyota and Audi says, sorry, you can't do that. And like your family relies on your salary. Yeah, you get better health insurance at Toyota and they're offering well, you more money. And, and like you should be able to move. Theoretically, when you're a junior person, you're getting paid less, but you're learning a skill. Yeah. The idea there is not that they own your skill. The idea is they get to pay you less because you're a learner. And then exactly. And then right. later they'll you'll get paid more. Yes. And and they're investing in you and and but it should be a two way thing. You know, we shouldn't be beholden to the companies we work for forever. You should be able to to, to switch industries um, if you want or not have to switch industries, switch right. switch jobs without having to switch careers. Uh, sorry, I was just thinking about myself. Yeah, just I was going to say you switch careers. <laughs> you switch jobs in an industry and then you switch careers. Exactly, and 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 it was funny because I you know I, I there was technically something in my one of my Mashable contracts I think that said certain websites that I couldn't work at or something. And, wow. And fortunately, most of them were uh, for a period of time. Unfortunately, they never enforced anything, and I didn't go to one of the websites on that list. But I like looked back at my original employment contract with them, and even though the company was incorporated in California, I was not a resident of California. So I wasn't sure like which how much I could argue that or whatever, but you know I was but you, you know it, it's a real concern and and so regardless of of the trade secret stuff and whatnot, I mean that's a great point. Like we don't want to make it so that it's impossible for people to leave and do and go other places to to use their skills. Man, our conversation today was very much centered around like uh, you know the human condition and how to <laughs> like live alongside all this automation and all this technology, but I mean that's where our future is headed so we got to be asking mm-hmm. these questions i feel like download listeners may have figured this out by now but one of the reasons one of the ways that we pick the topics for this is that i kind of don't want the topic to just be there's a new phone i kind of want it to be like what's the bigger what's the bigger picture whether it is something like essential which is like where does this fit in the larger market yeah. or whether there is some tech story that has bigger ramifications i think it's i think it's good to talk about that stuff it, you can really lose when you um when you focus in too tightly you lose the big picture so i think this has all been i, I think this, these have been great conversations and, and it's great that you all could uh could ha- could have them with us today i should mention to the listeners out there next week what to look out for i like to do that apple's worldwide developer conference is next week so uh we will probably talk What's about that? apple next week strange i will be there Stephen will be there. I suspect that there will be some news that we can discuss on next week's show, but who knows what <laughs> I, I'll try not to lose the uh, lose the forest for the trees, like I just said. Um, but that that wraps up this edition of Download. I now need to thank my guests, Florence Ion. Where can people find the stuff that you do? Mr. Snell, uh, <laughs> you can find me on Tuesday nights on All About Android on the Twit Network. Um, you can also read me at AndroidCentral.com and you can see me on Twitter and Snapchat at Oh That Flow. That's right. Oh That Flow. That's how that's how I got to know you in the first place I, when you were at Mac Addict was <laughs> Oh That Flow. That was it. That was the beginning so of it. Christina Warren, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, um, Snapchat, Instagram, etc. at film underscore girl. And you can um, hear me every week talking about tech on uh, Rocket uh, on Relay FM. Beautiful. And Micah Sargent, where can people find the stuff that you do? 
Hey, if you want links to any and all of the stuff that I do, my Twitter, etc., you can go to www.chihuahua.coffee, which has links to everything you need. And no, that is not a joke. That is. I love your life. URL. I just love that that is your URL. That is I amazing. Just, I'll never be able to top that. Oh my I can God. thank Renee Ritchie for that uh, during a podcast. All right. And thank you to my producer, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Thank you, Stephen. You're welcome. Ooh, and thanks to everybody out there for listening. Until next week, we will be watching the headlines so you don't have to. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.